Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the privilege of coming this morning to celebrate your rising, your being risen. Thank you for all that it means to us. And uh, so I just pray that this morning that we would hear from you, that each one of us who are here this morning would hear something in the words that, uh, that I would bring that would really come from you, not me. They would hear your voice speaking to them where they're at. Thank you that you're so able to do that. We just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is an exciting day for those who believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, it is a really important day in the life of Christians. And the reason is because the resurrection is actually the hinge pin upon which Christianity is based. Did you get that? The resurrection is the hinge pin upon which Christianity is based. In other words, no resurrection, no real valid reason for Christianity. And so it, it, it uh, really, people who think that Christianity is for those who are faint-hearted or who need a crutch, you know, that is not the kind of religion it is at all. C.S. Lewis wrote, Christi uh, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Wow, that's an interesting statement. If you want a religion that would make you comfortable, I don't recommend Christianity. Well, why in the world would he say something like that? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus Christ is a controversial figure. Because if Jesus is who he said he was, it makes all of the difference in the world. And if he isn't, then it makes all the difference in the world the other direction. So Jesus said that he was God in the flesh. He said that he came so that you and I could have life and have it abundantly. He said that he would rise from the dead, and he did. It didn't happen in secret. It wasn't something that happened, and then he said later, this is how that was going to work. No, there are at least 15 historical records of Jesus greeting people, touching them, eating, talking with them after he rose from the dead. At one point, he showed up to about 500 people after his resurrection. So, so listen, circumstances, legal and uh, historical evidence, along with eyewitnesses, all give testimony to the fact that the resurrection was a historical fact. And every theory over the last 2,000 plus years that has been raised to say, well, we don't think that's true and here's why, here's what we think might have happened, uh, has not been proven, has been proven unsound, has not been proven to be true. They haven't been able to prove that the resurrection of Jesus did not happen. This morning, as we were thinking about this, I thought, you know, there's two questions that, that highly intelligent people ask, and since most of you are highly intelligent, I, I'm going to presume you would probably ask these two questions. The first one is, well, if it is true, what does it mean? And then the second one is, if it is true and it means that, what difference does it make to me? So those are the two questions that I want to answer this morning as we look at God's Word together. So if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did happen, then let's first look at what it means. It means, number one, that Jesus then is who he claimed to be. If it happened, then Jesus is who he claimed to be. And by the way, Jesus never claimed to be a great religious teacher. 
He never claimed to be a man of God. He never even claimed to be a great prophet. But he did claim to be the Son of God. And when he claimed that, in that context, at that time, all the religious scholars knew that what that meant is he was putting himself on equality with God, that he was saying, I am God. I have God's authority. I have God's power. I am in his bloodline. I am him. That was Jesus' claim. And so while he was doing ministry on earth, he forgave people. He raised people from the dead. He granted them eternal life. He raised himself from the dead. He claimed to be God. And Christ followers believe that he was truthful about that and that only God could do many of the things that he did and that he demonstrated. When he demonstrated who he was, you know, his mission on earth was more about who he was than just what he said, than just what he taught. In Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, but who do you say that I am? In other words, who am I? And Simon Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That would make him the Messiah. That would make him equal with God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so what else did Jesus claim? Here's a couple of other things. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said this, no one can come to the Father except through me. And those are strong claims. I mean, listen to this. He said he is the resurrection. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He didn't say, I'm a way. He didn't say, I'm one way. He was very clear, I am the way, and there is only one way. So Jesus is making this clear. There may be many roads, but there is only one way. Only one way. The idea, and you may have heard this, the idea that if you're just spiritual enough, doesn't really matter what your faith is, if you're just spiritual enough, yeah, yeah, you can probably, you're going to get in. Don't, don't worry about it. All the roads kind of lead to the same direction. That, that idea, that concept is just not true. If the Word of God is true, is if the Bible is true, then that concept is actually a lie. Now, we will have opportunity at times to have to stand up for that or to choose not to. And, and I've had that happen in my own life. I, I spent some time as a, uh, as a guest of the federal government what that means is that I was in prison, okay? And um, I was in federal prison, and I was in a prison at this time that uh, contained mostly three types of men, uh, white-collar criminals, um, uh, drug people who were involved in the drug, drug, dealing drugs or whatever, and then people who were being graded out. In other words, by graded out, I mean this. They had been in a higher security, they'd been in medium or high security, and now they were uh, within a couple of years of getting out, and they would put them in this lower uh, security prison so that they were kind of getting ready to get out, right? So those are the three kinds of people that were in the prison that I happened to be in. Now, when I was in prison, I believed in Jesus. I, was a, I, I, I loved him, I followed him, I did some dumb things, Okay. How many of you have ever done a dumb thing? Okay, the rest of you are lying. Um, 
And, uh, but you want, so I'm in prison. And I had decided I, I am going to use this time productively. I'm going to use this time to get as close to God as I can. I'm just, it's going to be me and God, man. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be, I actually, the, the thought I had in my mind was I'll be a wallflower. I'm just going to kind of be quiet because I don't want to create waves. I don't want to have anybody upset at me. I don't want to get involved in any of the prison politics stuff or, or what side or any of those kinds of things. And so I'm, I, I'm there my first week. I am there. I'm into the Bible. I'm being quiet. I'm trying to just be, my, be myself and be me and God. And, and one day I'm, I've, I'm reading my Bible and I set it down on this, uh, on this file thing to head there. And, and down the hallway walked a guy who was grading out. He had a 13-year bit, meaning he had 13 years that he was doing in prison. He was now down to his last two. He'd been in medium and high security. He was now in our prison. He was the guy that uh, everybody in the prison knew, that's one guy you don't mess with. That's one guy who you want to be on his side. And he came walking down and he was just, I mean, he lifted weights like crazy. He was just built like he, tattoos everywhere, swastika, Hitler, 44, all. And, and he walks down and he sees my Bible there. And he says, you read that? I said, yes, I do. You believe it? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, I've read it. And I said, you have? He said, yes, I have. I, I, I'm not into that, though. I'm, I'm a pagan. Now, by pagan, he meant, I believe in Valhalla and uh, the Greek gods and stuff, and, and that's kind of where I'm at, but, I, but I've read that book. And so then we began to have this little discussion, and he began, began to tell me how he saw God. And do you know, at first he talked about God's power and greatness, and I said, yeah, that is right, man. God is powerful and great. And then he talked about how God knows what we're doing even when, we, when, when uh, we think he doesn't. I said, yes, God is omniscient. He's everywhere. He sees what we do. He knows even what's in our heart. You're right, man. Right on, right on. And, and so I, it was this, our discussion was going good, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm getting on this guy's good side, which is right where I want to be. And, uh, and then he said this. He said, you know what? He said, you're okay. You're all right. And I thought, Yes. And then he said, you know, besides, he said, you know what, it's like we're all, we're all kind of, as long as you're spiritual, you know, we're all heading down the same road. It's going to the same place. Ah. And I thought, oh, I'd like to agree with him. I'd really like to agree with him. But I got to decide if I'm going to live for my faith or not. And so I said, man, I wish you hadn't said that. He said, what? I said, I really wish you hadn't said that. Why? I said, because you asked me if I believe this book, and I told you I do. Well, in that book, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. So I either believe that, and that's what I have to believe. That means I can't believe that all paths lead to him. I either have to believe that or I'm a liar and I don't really believe what's there. And I said, so I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. And he said, I guess we will, dog. And I thought to myself, that didn't go as like I hoped, you know? And then he started walking away and it got about 15 feet away and I said, hey, Taz. He turned around and he looked at me and I said, is it okay if I like you anyway? And he, he sat there just looking at me for a minute, and, he, and then he started grinning. And he walked back over, and he said, it's all right, man. And we did this sort of, man, we did the whole prison shake, man. You know, I had it down. I was on it. I was on it. 
And we ended up, ended up becoming really good friends. But it doesn't always end that way, does it? And we've got to decide, are we going to stand up for our faith? Do we really believe what Jesus said and what he demonstrated? Or is it something that we can decide ourselves? Or, or is it just more convenient for us to decide that? I've got to tell you, it's so much easier to believe that all the roads go to the same place. And we can, we can just kind of agree with everybody. But it's not what Jesus says. It's not what Christianity is about. So if we believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Son of God, our Savior and Lord, and his resurrection from the dead proved his point, then it means not only that, that it means that he has done it, he is who he claimed to be, but it means he has the power he claimed. It means he has the power he claimed he had. In John 10, 18, he said, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again, again, to take it again. Some of the translations say to take it up again. So Jesus was not martyred. He allowed the Romans to crucify him. And when they did, they made sure he was dead. They put a spear into his side and, and blood and water poured out. They knew he was dead. And when he was taken down from that cross and put into a tomb, they put a big stone in front of it and guards on it 24-7 so nobody could mess with it. But it could not keep him from rising again like he said he would. I lay down my life and I can lift it up again. And he did. That's why we can say today he is alive. He is the resurrection and the life. The other thing the validity of the resurrection means is this, that Jesus will do what he says he will do. He said, I'm going to raise myself from the dead, and he did do exactly that. Everything he said he would do, he has done. Now, anyone can claim they're going to raise themselves from the dead, but it's a whole different deal to do it, right? I mean, we can claim whatever we want, but the question is, are we actually going to accomplish it? Now, Jesus is the only one who did. And you might say, wait a minute, Cliff, I, I've heard about people who were clinically dead and were resuscitated. Yes, true. In fact, when you read the Bible, we hear about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus was dead for four days. But guess what else Lazarus did? He died again. His body got aged, and he died again. And everyone who has, di who has died, you know, uh, we don't know what happened to Moses' body. We don't know, but Jesus is the only one who died and was resurrected again with a new body. The body he tells us we're going to have one day. Wow. The body, that will, the body that has no more aging, that has no more death, that has no more pain. He came back with that resurrected body. So Jesus then is who he claims he is. He has the power, he says. And he's able to do what he says he will do, and he's done that. So the second question then is, if that's, if that's all true, if that's valid, then what's it mean to me? Why does it matter to me? Well, here's the first reason it matters to you, and this is a great one. This is a great one. I love this. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have your sins forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from 
what? All, all unrighteousness. Oh, you know what? I love that. I love the fact that it's all unrighteousness. So our sins can, we can be cleansed from our sins and all unrighteousness. Now, some of you need a lot of righteousness. <laughs> some of you have got a lot of sins that you need forgiven. And what I love about this is he's not worried about the amount. Amen? He says you're going to be never forgiven. All of it. All of it, all of it, all of it. Wow, Lord, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you're willing to do that for us. He wants to forgive your sins. But here's the problem. If your sins are not forgiven, you got a problem. You got a problem. The only way we can have them forgiven is to accept what Jesus has done for us. And so if we haven't accepted that, then your sins are not forgiven. And if your sins are not forgiven, you got a problem. Because the Bible says in, in Romans 6, 23, for the wages, the price, the penalty, what you've earned by sinning is death. Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know the word I love the most in that, in that verse right there? is a little three-letter three word that's right in the middle, the but, the but. And, and the reason is this, for the wages of sin is death, but, but, and what that means is, you know, there, there, something bad is going to happen, but God, but the gift of God. Oh, man, we need that exchange. We need that little word right there. The gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus, our Lord, it's the only way that it comes to us, God can change that. We have to ask Him. It's a gift. We have to accept the gift. I can give you a gift, and if you choose not to accept the gift, you don't have ownership of the gift. I can write you a title to a brand new car out there. Well, maybe I could if I had enough money, I could. But, and I could give you the title. Car's paid for, absolutely free and clear. It's yours. But if you don't receive it, if you don't take the keys, it's not yours. You haven't, you haven't applied it. You haven't taken it. You haven't accepted it. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life if you just accept it. And then I'm going to do something else for you. I'm going to give you a new purpose for living. I'm going to give you a new purpose, a real purpose for living. Jesus put it this way. He said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That means better. That means more generously. So Jesus came that we could have life. Life in some future time? Yes, yes. But also a more abundant life right now, right now. That does not necessarily mean an easy life. It does not necessarily mean that all of a sudden everything is going to be together. And it does not necessarily mean there are no problems. Just to set, the, set the, it all clear, right? But it means it's more abundant because he gives us a different perspective with which to look at our problems. And he gives us the power to be able to deal with our problems. Right now, right now, in this time, 
as well as he gives us a future that we can look forward to. He gives us a purpose, a reason for living now that's more than just about what can we get for ourselves. How can we, how can we elevate ourselves? How can we make ourselves look better, be better, have more? Oh no, the purpose he gives us to live is much greater than that much more fulfilling than that, much more abundant than that. And he says, not only am I gonna give you that, but when your life feels out of control, I'm gonna be there with you. When your problems seem to overwhelm you, I'm gonna go through them with you. When it seems like you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there with you to give you comfort, to give you strength, to give you encouragement, to help you walk through that together. So I'm gonna make your life better now and you can have a home in heaven. You can be comfortable about what is coming. You can look forward to what is coming because it's coming, it's coming. And right now, today, every single one of us in this room is a day closer to it coming to us than we were yesterday. However, it's going to come. Jesus gave us a confidence in that in John 14, 2 to 3. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. That means heaven. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So Jesus is saying, I'm preparing a place for you in heaven, and it's a place where you get the privilege of living for eternity. In John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So the question is, where are you going to go when you die? Because Jesus says, if you know me and accept the gift I'm giving you, then you can go where I am now, a place that we call heaven. But the only way to get there is to believe who he is, who he is. You know, good teaching can give us insight. Good thoughts can help us do life uh, more effectively. But it takes more than a good teacher. It takes, it takes a savior to be able to come and offer forgiveness for our sins. It takes someone to save us. That's what Savior means. It takes Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only one whose tomb is empty, the only one who demonstrated he could rise from the dead and out of the grave himself. I, I, I find it quite interesting that, that Buddha and Muhammad and Confucius and Joseph Smith have all died and remain dead. But Jesus died and rose again. He didn't stay dead. He proved it. And then he said, if you want to accept me, Paul would write the Christians in Rome, and he would say, hey, you want to be able to have that, that sense and accept the gift that Jesus has given you? Here's how you do it in Romans 10, verse 9. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So if you'd like to have your sins forgiven, if you'd like to receive salvation, have a real purpose for living, 
share in eternal life, go to heaven, you must confess who Jesus is, believe that he is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. And when you believe that he is Lord and raised from the dead, the word Lord there is the same as master. That that means you believe he's now your master, which means you're now living for him. Friends, listen, as we reflect on these two questions, it really only leaves us with two options. It only leaves us with two options. And those options, honestly, they're, they're described so well by the, the brilliant thinker uh, and author, philosopher, uh, C.S. Lewis, who was an avowed atheist. Started reading the Bible to prove it wrong. Brilliant guy. And, and, and the more he read it, the more he realized it was true. And he finally accepted Christ as his Savior, wrote an incredible little book called Mere Christianity. And, and in that, here's what he says about these two options. Listen to this. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, that's a serious lunatic, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us, and he did not intend to. So if we're honest, there are only two ways to view Jesus, either as completely inconsequential or truly as Savior, Lord, and God. And when you accept Him as Savior, Lord, and God, you can live with a purpose now and you can die with comfort when it's time. A real purpose now. A purpose that isn't so silly as just whatever you can get for yourself. A purpose that God will give you that will make a difference in other people's lives as well as your own. My father uh, passed away uh, earlier this year. He was 92 years old. And, um, and he lived life with a purpose. And always knew what he was living it for. If you asked him, what are you thinking about this next week? What, what, what are you thinking about for tomorrow? When he was 90 years old, he was still on task. Man, right now I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about particularly boys who are like from 9 years old to 12 years old where they make a decision. I'm praying for those kinds of boys right now and I'm asking God to send me some of those boys so I can build into their lives and they can realize a difference God's going to make for them at that age which will make a difference all the rest of their life. And I can remember him just being on that. And then then a couple of weeks later he'd be on to something else. God's given me a purpose, a purpose, a purpose, a purpose. And then... then, um, my wife and I went to see him um, earlier this year, 
and, uh, and asked him, what's next, Dad? What's next for you now? We loved asking that question. We asked that question every time we saw him because he'd always know right what his purpose was at that point and what he was living for. And we said, what's next for you? And he, he gave a one-word answer. He said, heaven. Wow. It's not a purpose. So what does that mean for you? What does that look like? That was what my wife asked him. And, and he looked right at her and he started smiling and he said, that's not for you to know. Some things are better left a mystery. And 52 hours later, he was in heaven. A purpose for living now and comfort when it was time to go. And he knew it was time to go. My purpose is done. I believe with everything in me that God had told him, you're done. You're done now. You've done everything I've asked you to do. Come home. It's time. Jesus would say it this way. You want, you want to accept me? You want to have this, this life with me? Jesus would say it this way when he was talking to Nicodemus who was trying to understand what God was doing through Jesus. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I appreciate it so much that he didn't stop there. But he went on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In other words, he, he's given you the, the hope of salvation. He's not coming to condemn. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So friends, listen, this is not a condemning message. If you don't know Jesus, he doesn't condemn you. You're in that place already. He's come with a message of hope and salvation about who he is and how you can be saved from condemnation because he loves you so much. So much that he gave his life for you. I said earlier that Jesus was not martyred. He, he chose to lay his life down. That's not the case with his disciples who followed him. All of his disciples were martyred except for one. John was exiled to the island of Patmos to die there. But the rest of them all died a martyr's death. And they died because they would not denounce Jesus. They died because, they, because when, they were said, when they were told, denounce him, admit that he, didn't, he didn't, didn't rise again from the dead. They said, we can't. We cannot do that. We've seen him. We've touched him. We've heard him. We know he is who he said he is. We cannot do that. And they died because of it. Martyrs' deaths. So it, it, it leaves us again back to that, those two options. What, were these guys lying? Were they trying to come up with some sort of a tale just to make themselves look good? And if they, if they were, what in the world were they doing it for? What would they stand to gain from making up a story as crazy as the story of a man being raised from the dead, resurrecting himself, and popping around? What did they gain from that? They, what could they possibly have wanted to do for that? If Jesus is in the grave, still in the grave, and they died as martyrs, they were dying for a lie that they knew was a lie. 
Now, I've got to tell you something. People tell lies to get out of trouble. People don't tell lies to get into trouble. And, and, and a man may live for a lie, but, not, but men aren't, don't willingly die for a lie. They just don't. Why would we? If I could continue living by just telling the truth, I think I'll tell the truth. But they went to their death. And I believe, I believe that God allowed that as another sign for you and I. I believe that as much as he loved them, he said, you'll get rewarded for that. Don't worry about you losing your life this way. Don't worry about that. I've got, I've got eternity to set it right. I've got eternity to make you, to, to give to you, to demonstrate how much I appreciate what you've done. But you need to give up your life this way. Why? So that in 2022, when people look back on this, they can't say, yeah, but those guys, they, the reason they did it is they wound up wealthy. They wound up getting everything they wanted. They wound up having this or that or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. No, they gave up their lives. But they would not back off of the truth. It was too important. It was too important. Without the resurrection, friends, honestly, Preaching is foolish, profitless. Faith is foolish. Paul would write that. He would say, it's, without that, it's nothing. With that, it's everything. It's everything. John concluded his letter, the Apostle John in John 20, 31, saying, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Oh, how does that work? His name, his name, his name. I can have life in his name. Yes, I can have life because I accept the price he paid for me. So I could have life today more abundantly and I could have life eternal in the future. We Christians who really love Jesus don't just say they're Christians, but who really love Jesus, believe this. He is alive. He is risen. Pathetic. He is risen. Much better. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you that you are risen and that you are risen indeed. Father, you've told us that there is only one way that we can get to heaven. That's by having a relationship with your son, Jesus. And I pray this morning that all would come to Jesus, would ask for forgiveness, would accept the gift that he has given and believe in the power that raised him from the grave. May our sins be forgiven. May we have a purpose for living now. And may we have a home in heaven. And Father, this morning I pray for those that, that aren't certain they've ever really done that that this morning they would make certain of that. That they would just come to you and confess with their mouth, Lord, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I recognize that I have sinned and that I can't pay the price for my own sins. I accept what you've done. I want to make you my Savior and my Lord. So help me to, from this day forward to live for you and show me how that's life abundantly Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thanks that that's what you, the privilege you want to give all of us. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to uh, continue to worship the Lord and, and stand to receive a blessing from Him. If you need prayer after the service, prayer will be up here over on, on my right-hand side, your left-hand side. If you've made, say, I, I want to make that, I want to make sure I've made that so I know I have eternal life, then I want to encourage you to write something down on that card. We can get a hold of you or come up and we'll talk to you. Love to pray for you. Would you stand to receive His blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you so He can give you His peace and His strength to live your life now more abundantly and to be certain of your future with Him. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.